Hey, Pete. Aaron, we don't have to do this anymore, okay? We, we can do, do something else. <laughs> no, this is this is the show. We'll do it live. We got um, through all the movies. We can do something but, else. But, but yes, Peter, I'm ready to start Trek. I'm at, there. Shut are you fucking yeah. happy? I'm ready to start Trek. This one, we are actually starting Trek as our bonus episode to finish the month. We're both, Peter, starting Trek. So uh, we had kind of alluded as we wrapped up the Abrams movies and got through all the Star Trek movies, and Peter knows everything about Star Trek now, that we had a surprise episode. Now, if you could read between some very unhidden lines, you may have thought, oh yeah, I assumed this was going to be the Galaxy Quest episode. And uh, you misinterpreted all of our clues, is what I'm saying. You got it wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, We did not say anything about almost probably literally referring to, I think we're going to do Galaxy Quest. Uh, But we're not doing Galaxy Quest. Will will we do Galaxy Quest or Quest? Yeah, we will. Uh, But unfortunately, uh, the episode where we explain uh, our timing and how we're going to be taking a break comes out next week. Uh, but uh, but essentially, we're trying to get some things done. And we, we didn't want to do a 30-minute episode on Galaxy Quest because we both love that movie. We, we want to do a full treatment of it. So we'll do that at some point. Pierre and I have talked a while about what does Star Trek look like post getting through the movies. And some of that is like we should go back through some other episodes of the show. We should do a little toe dip into like Deep Space Nine or Voyager or Enterprise and kind of continue to round out the overall thing. But one thing, one suggestion that Peter had is that I have been saving Picard. I have not watched Picard. I've watched the first three seasons of Discovery, the first two seasons of Lower Deck. Have not watched Strange New Worlds, which which could be another good thing to double back on. But Peter got the most exposure from an hour perspective into Next Generation, by far. Uh, I think we ended up watching like 30 of the episodes. So even though there's less movies, the, you watched a ton of Star Trek The Next Generation. We watched the pilot. We watched the finale. We watched most of the episodes that people consider uh, the good ones. And so in some ways, Picard made sense for the next logical step. So what we're going to do today is we watched the pilot of Picard. It was the first time for both of us. And we envision, including maybe going back to some of those things and doing Galaxy Quest, that over who knows how many years, um, there's only 30 episodes, which is actually not that much, that we want to do something we haven't really done before on this show or on our network or whatever you want to call it, which is actually doing like an uh, like a like a TV show podcast where we go episode by episode. <laughs> And what better way to do that than with a show neither of us have watched but are have different levels of familiarity with the source material and a show that only has 30 episodes. Uh, we had joked around about doing that with Deep Space Nine because Deep Space Nine is my favorite Star Trek. That's 175 episodes. We would get done with that when like the last episode would be me dying in the nursing home talking about all you leave, well, what you leave behind. Um, but... Uh, so yeah, we're doing we're doing Picard. So we're not going to do two hours of, of episodes on this. It's a forty five minute show. 
Um, but I do think we should set it up a little bit as to what kind of show it is. Um, I'm very familiar, Peter, with the overall reviews and the buzz around this show. Um, I, I avoided spoilers for the most part. I don't know, well, but I do know some broad strokes that occur within the show and specifically some changes they make to the final season, the third season, to, that is the reason that people think that by far that's kind of what everyone was looking for. But it is, it's it's an odd show. Um, it takes place 25 years after Star Trek Nemesis, where we last left off. When we did the Star Trek Nemesis episode, Peter, and Data died, I and I, I'd seen Brett Spiner in a lot of the promotional material for the first season of Picard and the third season of Picard. There's that end in Nemesis, as you remember, where they upload Data's memory banks a la... Uh, Star Trek Two and Star Trek Three, where where uh, Leonard Nimoy or Spock puts his spirit, his essence, into McCoy, they kind of did the same thing with um, before with, before in in Star Trek Nemesis, and I with the idea very clearly that if we do another Star Trek: The Next Generation movie, Data can come back. Data is like the number two person in Star Trek: The Next Generation. I was surprised to learn when we did the Nemesis episode and I looked it up that Data does not come back um, in Star Trek Picard. That beef, they they say that the memory dump didn't take and while B4 is in the, the show, how much he becomes like Data or whether that changes later on, I honestly have no idea. That's going to be a surprise for me. But at the very least, at the beginning, as we open on Picard, uh, it hasn't. It hasn't necessarily taken. The other thing that's worth calling out uh, as a preamble to the show, which Peter, you were kind of surprised about in text, is that this takes, even though the Star Trek Abrams movies, which we just covered, take place in an alternate universe called the Kelvin timeline, brought about by um, Spock and Nero going back in time. Um, and changing some events, including famously, has no impact on the rest of the films, killing uh, Kirk's dad. Um, but, uh, but that Nero came back and Spock came back because uh, the Romulan homeworld was about to explode. And Spock was trying to save it. His We watched the Unification episode. Spock had a vested in, interest in reuniting Romulan and Vulcan culture and society. And his attempt to save it with the red matter from those movies didn't work. He didn't cause the explosion, but he wasn't able to stop it. And when he was testing the red matter, it opened up a black hole or a wormhole, sent him back in time. And that's why Nero wanted to kill Spock and make him suffer is because he blamed incorrectly Spock for the destruction of Romulus. This show, even though that happens in our prime timeline, they kept that as part of the continuity. They they really did say, hey, even though we heard about it and that was a mechanism for changing the timeline for these other things, we're going to say that that happened in 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 the actual main timeline of of of, of Star Trek, which is kind um, of interesting, also because by that point they theoretically knew that Star Trek Beyond was not exactly the uh, 
you know, franchise catalyst yeah. that like they knew by that point that Star Trek Beyond was not going to jumpstart a new trilogy immediately. No, and they'd already started. Discovery came out the same year as Star Trek Beyond, which is them saying we're we're not we're not setting it let's, in the Kelvin timeline. We're let people play in their two playgrounds, you know. Yep. Um. And it, but it is important to note that we actually haven't seen this timeline. So, just as a so obviously the original series takes place in the twenty two hundreds, and to separate the cast enough in time. Star Trek The Next Generation, I think the first season, the, the first seven seasons take place between like uh, 2360 and 2367. And then you have Voyager and Deep Space Nine, which take place again over seven year time frames, kind of at the point that they show up in, in the show. So Deep Space Nine starts in like 2366. It runs for seven years. Voyager starts in like... 2368 it runs to seven years now voyager takes place primarily in the delta quadrant i'm actually halfway through my full watch of voyager um and i know there's some voyager elements that come up on the show not in the pilot so i'll probably i'm gonna try to keep watching that as we get through here just so i can talk about that specifically seven of nine uh, a character on voyager is a main character eventually on picard um, but Voyager, interesting. So it's it's weirdly bringing together multiple franchises and multiple forms of fan service. Yep. Um, so yeah, because Tuvok and the rest of the crew do get home, which will make little uh, little Donnie and his giant elephant dick from Upright Citizens Brigade very happy. The foundation worked. Um, That's the only thing I know about that character. <laughs> Tuvok, go home. <laughs> Tuvok uh, is never going home. <laughs> um, but they do go home. But it, it's worth noting that obviously, essentially, our time in the Alpha Quadrant, where we leave it off, Deep Space Nine gets incredibly dark. I, it was the introduction of Section 31, which is like the CIA. There is a full-scale galaxy or, you know, Alpha Quadrant size war between the Dominion from the Gamma Quadrant. There's the Romulan fleet gets destroyed. The Cardassians get destroyed. The Klingons declare war on the Federation again. Like Deep Space Nine is very, it's dark. It also takes the Federation and where we leave it off in a very dark place. Billions dead, casualties, all these empires we know kind of crumbling. Section 37 and, or whatever? What's the, the CIA? Section 30, Section 31. Section yeah, 31. They're the... Was introduced in Deep Space Nine. CIA thing. Yeah. I'm so you have... That. You kind of have a weird thing because... Basically, that's... Deep Space Nine is basically the end of continuity in 2375 or whatever it is for the Alpha Quadrant, even though Voyager goes on for about four more years after Deep Space Nine ends... Um, it takes place in the Delta Quadrant. That's their whole thing. They're far away from home. They're not nothing that's going on within the Federation and Starfleet and Klingons. They get back in the final episode. Spoiler, but I mean that's the the plot is still them excited to get back. And I haven't seen that episode, but I don't think it's a lot of like, hey, what's give us a full update in the last four years since we left the last episode of DS Nine? What's going on? So Enterprise then, which is the next one, takes place a hundred years before. Kirk. Um, and Discovery takes place about 40 years before Kirk. So Picard is actually the basically the first time we head back into kind of like where 
the next generation Deep Space Nine, the original series, takes place since essentially Nemesis. Like we we and and the end of Deep Space Nine. Like we have now left that, and we don't know. There's nothing on like a TV show or, or a film that um that represents the time between the end of those two things in the Alpha Quadrant uh, and where we are in Picard. So. Uh, the only thing we know about that from previous movies is somewhere along the line, the destruction of Romulus occurs and has devastating impacts on the structure of the galaxy. Where Picard takes us immediately from a plot perspective is that the destruction of, of Romulus led to, you know, Picard and other people really advocating for, even though they were a long-term enemy of the Federation, advocating for uh to help to help uh get refugees and to use this as a time to you know turn swords into plowshares and to and to to help um through this there was also uh, uh replicants or androids that had uh, become more through bruce maddox from the measure of a man that had become more and more uh, prevalent. Uh, they were they're not at the level of sophistication that uh, that Data and and um, and those androids were. But he was trying to. That's what Bruce Maddox was in the first place. In Measure of Man, was saying that he wanted to take Data to study him because he was working on androids. It's interesting they pick up that thread that this guy, even though he recognized Data's uh, consciousness and individuality, apparently kept you know over the next thirty years kept trying to make replicants and eventually replicants like in all of any replicant blade runner type thing they're like fuck fuck earth so there was a in between a refugee effort with the romulans mm -hmm. and uh replicants blew up mars essentially they it's still on fire to this day um starfleet became more closed off they you know closed their borders they stopped doing humanitarian efforts and picard in protest to what was happening resigned from Starfleet and that's that's where the show begins they so, do cut back and explain some of the stuff the show begins that it's 10 years after that okay. and Picard is at home in his in his vineyard in France which his brother used to run before he died um and he he that's what he's doing he's living a life of like quiet hermititude kind of there's obviously employees and stuff at the vineyard he has a he has a good production facility but that's where he is what's interesting just really quickly as a note um all good things peter which is the finale of star trek the next generation that that does a little bit of like where everyone's going to be in 25 years even though most of that doesn't come to pass um that that uh finale had him at his vineyard too so yeah it seems like like even with some changes to the timeline, Picard always was going to end up back at this vineyard, retired from Starfleet, surrounded by employees and his and his and his vineyards. And that's that's kind of the framework of where we're at, just yeah, from a timeline perspective for Picard. Okay, so uh, first first thing uh, that I think is is uh, kind of cool, like um. The picking up Bruce Maddox as like a plot point is like mm -hmm. I think the right kind of fan service where it's like it's a character yeah. in an episode. If you don't know who it is, we can catch you up in thirty seconds, yeah. or you can click two buttons over on this very same streaming service and find that show. Like it's not yeah. in some esoteric old Star Wars book that you would need to get from the library and like hope that it comes in or whatever. Like it's it's right there, 
And if it's not right there, well, and we'll it kinda, explain it, it to you again. It's doing what good Star Trek I, always does. Like, it's, it's taking, that's like, what oh, was, what right? happened to this... Yeah, exactly. What happened to this guy? Yeah. And where did he end up? He didn't just, like, thing? get yeah. slapped on the wrist by by Kurt... Yeah. By, uh, by, uh, he didn't get, like, slapped on the wrist he by Picard. He didn't get Picard. fired. He just said, you can't take data. And he went, oh, he was still, I'm gonna go get the he, next he was best still thing. the head of... He was still the head of uh, cybernetics at at the Federation. Yeah. Like, he, he, he said, I'm gonna go try and find the next best thing, and he devoted his yeah. career to it, right? Like, okay, yeah. so that that's good fan service. I'll start he, do, he does show up, apparently, later on, the actual same actor. He's only mentioned and referenced in the first episode. Cool. So that's 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 fun. I think that just paying the this, the show a compliment off the bat, I think that that's a fun idea. I have a, a question for you. <laughs> you were speaking with some authority. Were you just paying yeah. very good attention during the episode, or is there some other is there some other material where you've gotten the background about? I mean, I, no, it's not that. The no, t- I no, I found that out from like when they're explaining what's okay. going on. No, I mean it's. I mean, from from that perspective, Peter, you and I are in the same place. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Okay. Perfect. There, from a, I know what happened in Star Trek two thousand nine. So when the and, and I know some of the stuff from the Next Generation. But like I said, there's there's no show that covers this time frame. They caught us up very effectively through that news report. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. And, and yeah. so and obviously with my somewhat encyclopedic knowledge of certain parts of Star Trek, were was able to kind of piece together all the perfect all the stuff. And everything you were saying, I recognized from watching the episode. I just wanted to make sure that there wasn't some sort of fucking book that you read when you were 17 that stitched together the narrative. And I was <laughs> nope. like, okay, fine. Okay, cool. We're, we're good. Um, thank you for setting up where we're at now. Um, before I get into anything about the episode overall. Or yeah, I want to talk about the tone of the show and like what kind of show. Yes. It is. Let's 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 start there and let's start even bigger, which is like what is this show, right? So, sure it's a continuation of the story. It's a sequel. It's taking more of a modern TV um more of a modern TV presentation, shorter seasons with more money spent on episodes. Yeah. Um it is absolutely trying to fulfill fan service uh yeah fan service demands in good ways and bad which we'll get to yep um it is glossy and digital film and it does not look like tng which is no i think it has to be fine because i live in reality i mean discovery and (laughs) i live in the world right now it has to be fine yeah (laughs) discovery that looks like this too like it looks good but it doesn't look like models yeah, I, I wish it was like shot on film or it was shot with a little bit more warmth. Uh, it does at times resemble um, a like a Netflix cyberpunk show um, yeah. or like, you know, uh, like uh, the 100 or something it, like kind of the production value kind of feels um, even though it feels more Cook, expensive. Cookie cutter. Yeah, yeah, it feels more expensive or more. It is higher, quote unquote, production value and putting all this in scare quotes. Um, yeah. But uh, it it does feel cookie cutter. It does feel like it's kind of like this is the texture that you've tasted before. This this looks like other sci-fi shows that have you know operated in this kind of budget, and, and it doesn't have a unique sort of aesthetic to it at all. I don't think. No, well, so that has been the main criticism of the first two seasons. Now there is a varying degree of people. I mean, it's Star Trek fans. It's even people that we've had on the show, like Andrew Bloom, who covered it for, I think, Consequence of Sound. It might be a different publication. Apologies if I got that wrong. 
But like, and obviously I follow enough people on Twitter that covered the the first two seasons, especially the, the, the kind of log line was, it's great to see all these people again, but it's not a Star Trek show in the sense of the word, right? Like it is, it, and, and which, you know, some of that is like, they kind of say it up front, like most Star Trek series are usually named after the ship or a concept, like Star Trek The Next Generation. This is the Star Trek you loved. These are new people. Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Deep Space Nine's the station. Voyager, Voyager's the ship. You know, Enterprise, Enterprise is the ship. Discovery, Discovery's the ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, even Strange New Worlds is like, yeah, this this is a, they're going out to Strange New Worlds and yeah. they're going to have those types of adventure. This is about Picard after he's left Starfleet, after he doesn't technically have command of the ship. And so it it doesn't feel, at least for episode one, but I know this criticism was somewhat consistent, it feels like taking characters from a Star Trek show and, like you said, putting them in a well-made Amazon Prime future setting with, like, a replicant invasion and, like, it's, you know, it, it has a lot of darker overtones, which is not... Again, it's not out of well. Part of the reason I want to set up the timeline is it's not necessarily out of place from where we left the Alpha Quadrant at the end of Deep Space Nine, and even Nemesis to some extent. Twenty five years later, like the whole point of Deep Space Nine is how thing how dark things were getting. Like this isn't the go out and explore. Your sense of how much you want that from a Star Trek episode or a Star Trek series, even if it's really well done in DS Nine. Like, how much do you want that? And some Discovery also has a very, very heavy dose of darkness, especially by the time you get to the third season and they switch some things up. Uh, Strange New Worlds, I think part of the reason it's got so much acclaim is it's like the first Star Trek series in a very long time that's like, let's not do 2016 television. Let's go do a Star Trek show where they're just having fun space adventures and people love it. This is, this is you know, there is a little bit of this was the style at the time that's going on. And it doesn't help that some of the people that brought the show to life are the same people that we complained about ad nauseum for our first two movies of the Abrams <laughs> thing. Like Robert Orkey, Alex Kurtzman, they wrote some of the early scripts. They helped create the show. They are, like, taking the, like, hey, what if we only focus on 9-11 and government conspiracies and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and taking that into a darker version of the Federation that mostly in the pilot is Earthbound and isn't about a trek through the stars in any capacity. And so, like, I knew that going in just from reputation alone. I do feel like I had my... Oh, and I knew that, like, some people from the Next Generation show up, some people don't. Like, only not that many people are main cast members in here. So I, I kind of was like, look, I. it seems like the reputation is if you can, like, stop focusing on I want this to be a Star Trek show and focus on it being a well-made, like, thriller, action, spy sabotage, futuristic adventure set in a universe you love with characters you know well, you're going to enjoy it to yeah. some degree. And it, But if you are like, I want this motherfucker to be captain of the Enterprise <laughs> and I want everyone to be trekking through the stars, you're going to be disappointed. Now, 
My asterisk to that, which I've already told you, the reason why the third season is so lauded is that they kind of finally did that. They got everyone in the next generation is a main character in the third season. I think they have a ship. I don't know if it, I I don't know enough to know if if like this plot line that is setting up is resolved. I don't know if it's like, you know, season long arcs. I don't know any of that stuff. I just know that like the, the, I, I saw a lot of stuff about the third season being the fulfillment of a reuniting, bringing the next generation cast back together, doing a sequel to the next generation and doing it really well. So, okay. So that is interesting. I obviously want to see that, right? Um, yeah. If I've gone on this journey with you long enough, I obviously want to see that. Yeah. I will say the idea of a Star Trek show that's not about a intrepid captain going out and exploring the universe and meeting strange alien races, more so a uh, intrepid former captain trying to solve a mystery um, over the course of a lot less episodes. 30, 30 episodes. Yeah. Um, each episode is, from what I can tell, about the length of forty-five a minutes. normal yeah. TNG episode, right? Yeah. Um, like, it's not actually a lot to ask. It's a little bit longer than a normal TNG season. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like, you know, whatever. Less than a season and a half. Not that much yeah. to ask. So, I actually like the idea of not making it one of those shows. And it sounds like those shows have a mixed history, uh, to say the least, right? And, like, one of the reasons people like DS9 is because it kind of operates in a different perspective. People are, like, passing yeah. through the ship as opposed to the ship passing through Yeah, because it's, it's a space station. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the, that's that's all that's all great for for me. The question is, can they do a new thing good? Yeah. Um, is like is like um the the question because like I I I always prefer when series are like a little bit out on to, to you know borrow parlance to bar, out on the frontier. They're they're charting yeah. new new territory. And the ironic thing about Star Trek is that a lot of the shows are not charting new territory. They are um. A ship, a, a captain goes out into space, and each week they maybe meet a new alien race or they solve problems, and some of these problems yeah. are referencing stuff from other shows and such, but, like, that's not them on a limb. That's them being, like, that's the formula. Captain goes out, meet, meets new people. <clears throat> this this concept that, like, you already have spent so much time with this, this particular set of characters, like... yeah. Maybe you care about seeing them in a different situation. Maybe you want to see, you know, you've seen Picard as like a Sherlock Holmes kind of figure before. Maybe you want to see him do that mm-hmm. on a longer story arc and you're not getting like pulled aside for, you know, uh, uh, Monster of the Week or, you know, yeah. um, Political Dissident of the Week episodes um, yeah. more commonly, I guess, in TNG. Uh, yeah, you're you're going full serialization. And yeah. not like serialization in even the way that Deep Space Nine or some of these other shows did it. Um uh, even Discovery has like half serialization, half episode of the week stuff. They're like, we're gonna be telling a season long arc, uh, a la twenty-four or you know, any of those shows yeah. that are doing that. And like all Obviously I obviously I don't watch enough network TV to have another good example yeah. that's not twenty five years old. I just I, I don't I don't particularly love the idea that like this that maybe this show was trying to do something new and then they had to retreat back to 
let's get the whole crew back together and they're all hanging out and they're friends and maybe they have a ship. I, I, I can't speak to that yet. So I, I, I don't like know a- if I don't know if that's the tone of this. I know that they are uh, most of those people are in various episodes of they're not main cast, mm. but they sh- they show up. And yeah. I don't know to what capacity. I don't know if the third season is a fulfillment of this arc. I don't like I I have been trying to keep most of my. Like, my knowledge of this is based on the titles of Twitter, you know, titles of reviews and the Twitter line in them. I have very purposely tried to keep myself as removed from what happens in this as possible. Perfect. Okay, so, that all being said, it doesn't matter if you're trying something new, if you're doing it uh, shitty, right? Like, um, Mm -hmm. the entire point of, uh, you know, like, I'm going to invent a new type of culinary cuisine or something. Um, Yeah. It needs to to fucking taste like food, right? Um, Did you watch the new Party Town? No, not yet. Oh, there's a person who's like the one of the the chef they hire is trying to make non food into food, and so like she's serving wood. I'm like, <laughs> See, that's the point. But yeah, it's uh, just reminding me of that. Um, but like I uh, yeah, and if you can find a way to not only let my body digest wood particles like you know you can make it taste good digest wood yeah i'd be curious right um i would be curious um the the problem here is and sorry i'm not even saying it's a problem yet because every pilot has limitations most pilots are the the creator and the cast and crew just popping their head up and saying like hey here's what our show is gonna maybe be about for a little bit and then they go away. Even great shows yeah. like The Americans has like a kind of bad pilot. It's not good. It's not I've good. heard it's that. Not, yeah, it's not good. It's not bad. But like, and then from season two, right? If they got, or sorry, from episode two, right? When they get picked yeah. up, they were like, actually, we know what the show is, and it's not that. Like, yeah, I, I can't really judge this the show too much off of one episode. Um, but I will say that they've got some real hacks at the wheel to like set us off on our course. Um, we talked about Alex Kurtzman. It sounds like Alex Kurtzman is not writing much. He does like story and concepts by stuff. Yeah. Um, but he does have a writing credit. So he has in some way shit in the punch bowl. (laughs) I I don't know. I I don't think either of these. So for what's worth, they also had a hand in discovery. They were the Star Trek people for a little bit. I don't think I, I know they don't last on discovery, like even midway through the season, um, I don't think they last long on this show. So for this show, Akiva Goldsman is the one I really want to complain about because I complained so much about Alex Kurtzman and Robert Orkey before. Let's let's share a little hate for uh, Akiva Goldsman. One terrible of, hack. Right? One of the greatest hacks in Hollywood history. Yeah. Unlike Kurtzman and Orkey, he has at least written some good or passable things or movies that yeah. work past a bad script to become good. Um, yeah. Like I would argue, I Am Legend is one of those. Um, but, I would not, but go ahead. Um, I think I think I Am Legend becomes a good three and a half star, three three point five star movie, um, mm. uh, fighting through kind of a bad script. But this is the guy that brought you Lost in Space, iRobot, Da Vinci Code, Angels and Demons, Divergent, The Fifth Wave, Rings, The Dark Tower movie. If you're a Dark Tower I, fan, you should I, have I, you should have serious hatred for this dude now. Um, I uh, I did watch the Dark Tower movie after I finished all the books. Um, yeah, what a piece of shit. Yeah, um, even by its reputation of a piece of shit, that's ninety minutes covering it's it's a huge piece yeah. of shit. And you know, I just wanted to leave this one on top because this movie is like some people like it, but I think if they watched it now, they wouldn't like it. Uh, he was the guy who wrote A Beautiful Mind, which is a big reason why. 
He maintained Hollywood cachet after writing two of the Batman and Robin uh, movies in the 90s. So, um, yeah, here's the thing. Uh, I agree with you enough that, like, we have a bunch of hacks behind the wheel. We have them doing a kind of over the line for a futuristic dystopian sci-fi. Oh, you did Blade Runner again? You're doing Blade Runner, you're doing Replicants, <laughs> you're connecting it to Data, you're, you know, having bigger stakes, like Mars is still on fire to this day. Here's the thing. I probably enjoyed it a little bit more than you for the reasons that I described at the beginning. Which is, Star Trek has almost, after kind of maintaining this continuity in the 24th century Literally year over year, we knew what was happening for 15 years where so much of my favorite Star Trek takes place. Star Trek has, as series and movies, done its damnedest to like go, yeah, I don't know, whatever Deep Space Nine ends on. I guess that's where we're like, they never came back after like, you know, years of years of consistency for the most part. So I'm not like this with a lot of things. I'm not a chronology nerd. Peter, as a gift, I sent you a book that I read over and over, <laughs> over and over and over and over and over. Like, literally, would just read frontwards and backwards when I was in seventh and eighth grade. Um, it's called Star Trek Chronology. And it literally has every little thing that's ever happened up to the point the book was written. Uh, you know, go, this, then this happens. This is, and there the appendixes are like, these are all the different alternate universe that have been created. Like, you know, I understand that's some serious nerd shit and that some people who, uh, whether it's in comic books or Marvel movies or stuff like that, it's annoying. It's just something that I, uh, have so like, I, I have Stockholm syndrome myself into kind of caring, not just what it's a good Star Trek show, but like, Hey, what happened next after all that stuff? And so the kind of assessment of like where everything, uh, turned up i like that it's kind of following the through lines of deep space nine that things in the federation were turning were taking a much darker turn and it's interesting with the knowledge of where discovery ends up going i don't want to spoil it for anyone um but like things aren't going to get better for a very long time like in the i mean i don't know if they get better and get worse and stuff like that so I know that that annoys some people in that, like, this is not Gene Ronberry's Star Trek. These weren't the values. But, like, Deep Space Nine is a good example of those concepts done well. can, And something that Into Darkness tried to do and failed, which is taking the concept of the Federation and Starfleet and everything else and trying to note that, like, the this simple Kirk's the good guy and these guys are the bad guys and, you know, colonial imagery and everything else is not so simple in that, like, trying to... If Star Trek was a little bit of um, a morality tales representing politics in the 60s, I, I don't hate the idea, D, DS9 being the platonic ideal of this being done very, very well, of turning what's supposed to be a very clean humanity and note that like where our culture evolved and that some of it is a lie we tell ourselves that we are better in the same way right now and for the ever the united states does a lot of self-propagandizing about how we're the good guys and we're all this stuff and i i do think it's interesting and era Stephen burr was 
sorry, Ira Stephen Burr was very specific about this as I was reading the oral history of DS9, that he was like, you know, this idea that our fucked up culture and all the things we tell ourselves about being the good guys in this world wouldn't in some way, even if we have evolved in some ways and got better at some things and moved to a, a post-scarcity society and everything else, like, wouldn't... Wouldn't the powers that be still have a sense of self-propagandizing of the Federation and Starfleet being the good guys mm-hmm. when that's not anyone who constantly portrays themselves as we're the good country that does the good things is usually full of shit to a to a capacity because that's just not how things work. And so Iris Stephen Beer really took that into DS9 and, and noted that there's still a fallibility among humanity and that Gene Roddenberry's idea of like, humanity's perfect now, no problems, they're all good, everyone gets along, no one ever fights, no one ever does the bad thing, sometimes people make accidents or there's like a bad egg. But that's the bullshit that we tell ourselves about our society now if you buy into like, you know, that kind of nationalist pride. So conceptually, I, even though some, some people get annoyed that's antithetical to Star Trek's origins or Gene Roddenberry's vision, I don't hate it because I've seen it done really well. So I don't necessarily have any of the overall qualms about setting Picard and continuing the direction of the Alpha Quadrant that we saw at the end of DS9 and that we, you know, some darkness that was 100% alluded to in Star Trek 2009 around what's going on in our present time. That was fine with me. <laughs> like, all that stuff, not a Star Trek show in the, the sense of going out and trekking, um, taking a darker timeline. But I do agree, Peter, or Peter, that, like, there's enough here as a Star Trek nerd to get me excited. Oh, fuck. Bruce Maddox kept making the replicants. They're rebuilding uh, uh, the Romulan Empire using a Borg cube. And, like, there's weird human replicants now. And one of them Data had a vision of. Like, you know, there's enough in here that as a fucking nerd about this stuff, I really liked. And I'm really interested to see where it goes while also recognizing this is there's a lot of people at the wheel I have no trust in to land the ship <laughs> uh, <laughs> right now yes anyways. yes and, and to to say things like to say something nice um, a lot of times producers end up making the first episode writing the first couple episodes um, kind of guiding the series maybe they write the finale of something um, and then they hand it off to a staff of very talented people yeah. and then there's a weird disparity where a staff of talented people is handed. Um, a bunch of terrible ingredients and then they make like the best yeah. pad thai you've ever seen right like they there's like a there's like a, a there's a lot of evidence of, of great writing staffs being like our producer is kind of a hack and they get a lot more money for directing producing and writing the first episode so that's part of their contract is that they get to you know make as long as they don't fuck up the pilot like they get to make it and from there we get to you know get our, ourselves back on track i don't know if the show that's does first that. two seasons of next generation we will find out is yeah. there space right now for me to just guess what happens at the end of the season or the end of this arc let's say I mean, I have to imagine Data comes back in some capacity. As before, in full capacity, they're just going to wipe the fact... Like, they're, B4 is going to get, like, trained up to become the Data, and... Yeah. Um, okay, that's one thing. 
I don't know what they're doing with the twins. I don't know. One's, one exploded. Well, sorry. I don't know what they're doing with the twin. Um, yeah. But. I know exactly what they did with one. Yes. I know that one, that they're going to turn the other one at some point is going to get activated and it's going to be like the member of the crew that can kick ass because Picard is too old to do that. They're already doing that in the pilot. They clearly want to do it again. They did this in Firefly. They did this in, I'm not because yep. he was too old, but they did it. They did it in Firefly. They did it in some other of these shows. My, um, my guess, wild guess, is that this is a conspiracy show. Somehow a dark military conspiracy made the replicants blow up Mars to because they were afraid of Romulans having a footprint in our ga- oh, yeah. in our galaxy or our solar system more specifically. Um and uh and whatever the uh the the Romulans are obviously getting revenge for that so it's going to be one of those stories where there's not obviously a pure villain because the Romulans are getting vengeance for a genocide yep. that we did to some degree. Not you and well, me. We didn't blow. We we didn't blow up Romulus, but we blew up the hundred thousand refugees on Mars or whatever via oh, re- yeah, via replicants. The replicants did. Yeah. That is my theory on what's going to happen at the end of this arc. We'll find out if they if they in any way like deviate from that or like come up with a clever way to subvert my expectations. I will be very impressed. But my guess is they're going to do a lot of juking and jiving and some CIA handler kind of shit. And then we're going to be like, well, yeah, there's a dark conspiracy. And then some bad guys are going to go down and then they have to come up with something else for next season. That is my most cynical answer for the show. Yeah, possible. Um, let's talk really quickly, just highest level if you're we, we've never done a TV recap show. So just really quickly, it starts on the. The, the Enterprise uh, and uh, Enterprise D, which we knew blew up in Generations, and Picard is playing poker with Data, notices something off. They're like, when do we get to Mars? Mars is on fire. It's kind of a fun opening. You get to see Data. You get to see Picard. I like that they don't try to do de-aging makeup like he's dreaming when they were back on the crew. It's fun to see the Enterprise D again, even if it doesn't look like the Enterprise D of old because it's a... Uh, it's a uh, it's a CGI. And while we're here, I really like this as an opening. It builds some mystery. I knew it was a dream right away, but I think that like well, yeah. them playing cards is like is like a nice way to open. It's on a ship that blew up, so I don't think they yeah. they regret. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, I like that he, how Picard figures out Data's tells, um, which I think is very because he doesn't have a towel, so he purposely does a tell when he wants to trick someone, and that becomes a tell. It's a very cute Data moment. Um, Picard's on his vineyard. He has a couple Romulans that work for him. Um, and then separately, there's a character um, named... Um, I want to say... Dodge? Saj. Is it D-A-G-G? What is it? Or D-A-J-J? Dodge. Dodge. Her sister's name is... Her twin sister's name is Soji. Um, who is making out with her boyfriend in Boston, which looks the same as it does now. Crazy how Boston hasn't changed at all. And... All of a sudden, these people in these black, like, I mean, fucking Blade Runner shit show up, kill kill her boyfriend, who turns out to be a replicant, and says, oh, she hasn't activated yet, and try to kill her. Um, she has a vision of Picard's face, and then later on, they're kind of prepping Picard for an interview. Um, his first interview that he's ever given on the 10th anniversary of, of the Romulus blowing up with, like, a... You know, shitty news person like a Fox News who promised not to ask about why 
why he left Starfleet and, of course, immediately starts um, asking those sort of questions. Um, <laughs> those kind of damn journalists. Around. Even in damn the Damn journalists. But, uh, you know, I like that, that, you know, they're doing the... Um, they're doing this. the The news scene is really good because it does a good job of giving a recap and at least some sort of like what's been going on. Why is he out of Starfleet? Um, and Picard admits that Starfleet abandoned its principles, um, did not care about protection of humanity, closed itself off from the rest of the galaxy, started prioritizing not exploration or peaceful uh diplomacy but instead militarizing and walling themselves off which was already starting to happen at the end of the dominion war um so the android dodge sees picard on tv and recognizes it from his vision meanwhile picard keeps having dreams about data including data painting this picture um and he goes into his archive and finds that yep here's this picture that data painted in Basically, I think that would be the sixth or seventh season of Star Trek The Next Generation. He named it Daughter, and it's this Dodge person who eventually tracks down Picard and says, I've been having visions of you. I don't know what's going on. Um, So Picard, Dodge finds Picard again when he goes to um, the Maddox Institute and meets with Allison Pill and is like, hey, I think this person's a replicant. How far did you guys get? And specifically asked about the concept of a positronic brain in a biological body to hide the fact that more that they're replicants. And Allison Pill is like, uh, yeah, I was, you know, we tried that, but that's impossible. Uh, it was impossible no before ever... they banned replicants. Yep. Um, and so now all their replicant making after the the Mars explosion is uh, theoretical, and that's why the Institute's abandoned, and we don't know where Bruce Maddox is. Um, and then as they leave the Institute, uh, some those black guys in the – they're not black guys. They're, <laughs> um, <laughs> they're people in full black uh, – They look like motorcycle, motorcycle motor, yeah, commando motor. guys. Yeah. They look like they guys show, that get beat up in Tron Legacy. Yeah, they show up and Dodge does a bunch of cool kicks and flips, but ultimately they explode her and because, she dies. Because the guy, the Romulan, that long-eared freak, coughs up green acid on her. Yeah, and then she something melts. that destroys replicants. Um, so Picard is kind of like, what the fuck? I thought this meant something and now she's dead. And then we cut to the the Romulan rebuilding site, and it's all these people walking around Romulans, humans, and stuff like that. And we find out that she has a twin named Soji, who is working at the Romulan reclamation site. Um, an, someone seemingly suspicious goes up to her and and says a couple things. A Romulan. I'm not trying to be anti-Romulan, but very suspicious that that guy knows something's up or knows that clearly she must be a replicant as well. Um, And then the camera pans out and it's um, a half-destroyed Borg cube that they are using as the Romulan reclamation site. And cue me saying, oh, fuck you. Oh, fuck you. (laughs) I didn't mind it, especially knowing that Seven of Nine. Do you know anything about Seven of Nine? Uh, So... Seven of Nine is so the Borg, if you remember from Q Hugh, which you probably don't, originate in the Delta Quadrant. When Q flings them across the universe to say, You don't know what horrors are out here and you need me, 
it's in the Delta Quadrant. The Delta Quadrant where Voyager takes place. Um, and so Voyager ends up running into, starting in about the third season, Borg more uh, somewhat frequently. Like, that's their home area. They keep ending up on worlds that have been completely assimilated by the Borg. Uh, Seven of Nine is a human who the Borg have taken that they unassimilate <laughs> and becomes eventually a member of the crew and a member of Starfleet. I like um, the idea that they were like, actually, no. Um, we assimilate a lot of shit but like you're just not our type no no the borg took her the she ends up on voyager to try to sabotage it and then they disconnect her from the club oh i thought the borg she kicked her out no no um i will say this really a toxic presence on our on our cube (laughs) people said when i was when i was talking to a uh, one of our facebook groups star trek and i was saying what a fucking slog star trek voyager is for the first three seasons they note that like it gets good in the fourth season mainly because jerry ryan who plays uh jerry ryan who's solely responsible for barack obama's presidency go read the wikipedia um about do you know that story Mm -hmm. so um i forget what her husband's name was but her husband was a state senator in illinois oh and Jerry Ryan filed for divorce. Was it George Ryan? And, and then their divorce papers leaked online. Um, and it turned out that he was like, he was, I think he was a, a conservative, or, but he was going to all these sex clubs and making Jerry Ryan do all these weird sex things that she was like completely uncomfortable with. And he was just a kind of a, a freak. Um, and so when and all that was listed in the d- divorce papers. So when uh, when that leaked to the press, um, he dropped out of the race that he was going to easily Jack Ryan. to re-election. Jack Ryan. Uh, he, he dropped out of the race that he would easily lead to re-election. And the person that ran in his place and won was Barack Obama for a state Senate. Jesus Christ. I didn't know any. So, yeah. I didn't know any of this. I also didn't know she was an Illinoisan. Like she got married in fucking Will Met. She's from, she went to Northwestern. I didn't know any of this. And, you know, like, she was brought in, like, she wears a a skin-tight outfit in Voyager. She was Miss Illinois. Sinking sinking in the ratings. She was clearly brought in to be, like, from, like, a Rick Berman type about, like, give something for daddy on the show. And so I wasn't expecting much until I heard from a lot of people, like, no, she's good, and the the show finally has a character who is worth focusing on, and they make really good use of both the writing and her performance. I'm only halfway through the fourth season. She is making the show good, finally. Um, so I am excited to see her on here. But so I don't know the thing about – I don't know the Borg Cube situation. It's not the one from The Best of Both Worlds. That one explodes. It may be the one from First Contact that gets stranded by Earth – but I thought that one explodes too, and the sphere comes out. I don't know if Voyager, there's Borgs that chase Voyager back to Earth at the finale, because I haven't seen that. So I'm not sure where this cube comes from. And as a fucking nerd, I'm interested in that, Peter. I like um, the Borg. I like the Romulans. I like, um, you know, the CIA false flag intrigue, whatever the fuck we're getting into yeah. there. I'm not sure um i like all of that um but when at the end of it they were like guess what 
we've got more fan service just dropped in your lap. I was like, fuck you. We've already done this I, before. Like, I, I guess I just it doesn't. I think it's hard to do. I think JJ Abrams fan service is like, hey, remember this? I that's what I know. Seven like of nine, seven of nine, a former Borg is like a main character on this show. I. I have a little it more. It felt faith like them finding the Death Star at the end of uh, Rise of Sky or middle of Rise of Skywalker for me. I was like, okay, like we've already done this shit. Come on. Yeah. I mean, I hope it's not that. I I know with Seven of Nine being a main character that I'm sure it has. I'm sure that has something to do with her involvement. Um, I mean, Star Trek always is a little bit of fan service, right? Klingons show up. These people show up. I'm not ready to judge it just by bringing up stuff that is potentially relevant to the time that they're in. Yeah. But like, but, but again, my, my concern is less about where this is going and more around the middling reviews and knowing who's at the wheel. So I I am not saying it's a bad pilot at all. I've seen bad pilots for great shows. I've seen bad pilots for shows that are somehow worse than their pilot. Um, I've seen bad pilots crashing the side of fucking mountains. (laughs) Harrison Ford? The, yeah. But he always gets out okay. He's actually a good pilot. <laughs> if your goal is to crash and live, he's the best pilot. Yeah, ever. like, if you know you're going somewhere where you have to crash, like, you got a weird tarot card yeah. reading, like, you want Harrison Ford yeah. in the behind the if, wheel. If you are like, I would prefer not to land on level ground, but at some sort of angle, there's <laughs> a guy. If you want to walk up to the pilots, the you know, the cockpit, and uh, knock on the door... And see the pilot erratically stamp out uh, a roach <laughs> and then yeah. throw it in the trash can. That's your guy, you know? Yeah. Um, I, okay, so here's what I'll say. I have a wild fan theory that's completely unrelated to the, you know, straight ahead. You know, this is, this is yeah. what's happening. Uh, my wild theory is that the Romulans were somehow involved in the building of the replicants. Yeah. And that the replicants... Uh, the reason that guy can cough up blood on them and she blows up is because the replicants were designed so that if they ever spilled Romulan blood, they would die too. Hey, I like it. We'll find out. Next time we do this, we'll try to do two episodes. Maybe we'll do like one episode for the finale. Maybe we'll so do like chunk, chunks or something. We'll do chunks. But yeah, uh, we don't know when the next episode's going to be, but we're going to be doing this for a little bit on Star Trek the next generation. (laughs) Good night. Good night.